0: Yeah, COVID took Easter last year. We're taking it back, so that's how that's how it works, all right? Yeah, you can clap for that. That's fine. <clears throat> all right, if you would, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. I want to just, first of all, tell you guys, uh, thank you for praying for me. Last week, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, I was sitting in my pew, and I was just so overwhelmed. Bethany started playing, and then I was like, man, I got to go up there and preach. Like, I just... I'm good, we're fine, like everything's good, and I had a million thoughts in my head, and, uh, and so it is what it is, and, and that happens sometimes, right? And we're okay with that? Everybody's good with that? All right, awesome. So uh, yeah, sometimes I get overwhelmed too, as well, but Galatians chapter one, we're going to keep going uh, in our study on Galatians, so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, first and second Corinthians, and then you're getting into go eat popcorn, which is Galatians, Ephesians... Philippians and Colossians, all our letters. Okay, letters from uh, a guy named Paul, and we talked about him a little bit last week. If you missed last week, go ahead, log on communitygospelchurch.com. You can check out our sermons, Uh, they're all posted there so that you can go back and kind of see what's up. Uh, Pastors quote him all the time, pretty much every single week. He might be the number one quoted uh, theologian, if you will, Uh, and the great C.S. Lewis uh, once said this, and I thought this was really interesting as we look at the text here this morning. He said, one of the great difficulties is to keep before the audience. And I would replace audience with congregation. C.S. Lewis's audience was a lot of people who didn't believe in Jesus. He was constantly kind of trying to fight the trends of these individuals who were uh, adamantly opposed to the gospel. So he was a big evangelist. And uh, he said, you know, it, it's hard to keep before the audience or the congregation the question of truth. And what's interesting, every time we study the Bible, this second sentence just rings so true uh, from pastor to congregation and just congregational member to congregational member. But they always think, whenever you uh, start to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you're recommending Christianity not because it's true, but because it's good. And that's not what we're doing. We're not recommending Uh, you be a believer in Jesus Christ because it's good. Like, he's not just an item you take off the shelf, and you're just like, oh, look, this is going to be beneficial for my life. That's not how it works, okay? Once you know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, it changes your whole entire life. Like, everything moves from one place to the next, and if it doesn't, be concerned, okay? And so that's what Paul's kind of telling these Galatian believers. As we learned last week, Paul is amazed that the Galatians had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came, died, and then he rose again, and that they're thinking of deserting the good news of Jesus Christ. And they were influenced by a group called the Judaizers that said, just as a big summary, that you need to work for your salvation. And we know in Ephesians that that's not true, right? For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man or woman should boast. You have been saved by faith grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin, okay? And so Paul is is starting to pen this letter to these Galatian believers, and he's saying, you're thinking about leaving because somebody is pitching to you another gospel, another idea. And what's fascinating is the Judaizers looked at Paul, and they said, you just want to be popular with your people. And Paul, as we'll see, he's like, no, I'm not really concerned about being popular. I'm concerned about the truth of the gospel coming out. Because if truth flourishes, then so does life. And that is what Paul and God's desire is for us today as we look at it. Now, what we're going to unpack here today is essentially three warnings to believers, okay, for us who have pledged our devotion and commitment to God, three warnings to us who are prone to wander. Because if you're anything like me, like sometimes I look at other things in this world and I'm like, maybe they're better than the gospel. You ever done that? Like maybe this is better than the the truth that God has in store for us. And so that's kind of our whole prayer here today. So let's look at Galatians chapter one. And uh, we're just going to start at verse one because it's so small. And we're going to move into verse six. Paul, who is an apostle sent by God on the road to Damascus, was not sent from men nor through man, but he was sent by Jesus Christ. And when he says he's sent by Jesus Christ, it's the risen Jesus Christ. And God, the father who raised him from the dead, he is with Uh, his brothers, fellow apostles, and he is writing to the church of Galatia. Galatia is modern-day Turkey, in case you didn't know. And he writes with grace, God's grace, charis is the Greek term here, and peace, peace that comes from knowing grace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who what? Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Say amen if you need to be delivered from the present evil age. Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page. If you're like, no, we're good, uh, you're living under a rock. Okay, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. That was last week. Moving into this week. I am astonished, I'm blown away, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is a different gospel, but there are some who trouble you. And he's speaking there about the Judaizers and who want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that Paul gives to these believers, okay? And a believer is one who has confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The first warning he gives to the believers is, you are contemplating deserting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't do that. So, Paul is astonished, and in the Greek, he's just saying, I can't believe that you would do this. In other letters, like Romans, Paul usually gives a preface in regards to a prayer. He's thankful for the audience that he's writing to. For example, in Romans, he says, man, I'm so excited that I hear good things about you guys. I'm so excited about your faith. But here, Paul just uh, essentially says who he is, and grace and peace, and then he's like, and now here is the problem, okay? There's two problems that are appearing here in the text in regards to deserting the gospel. Number one, this act of apostasy is starting to take place. This act of apostasy is starting to take place. Judaizers who essentially were followers of the Old Testament law. We don't know if they're true believers or not true believers. We would assume that they're not true believers, okay? They're essentially taking the New Testament law, seeing people come to a relationship with God through faith in Christ, and they're mad because they're not following all of the laws that they follow. Isn't it funny how people are like that? Like, all of a sudden, they want you to act the same way that they act because uh, they're under this weight of uh, conviction, And so Paul says, these Judaizers are trying to influence you, and he says, to desert him who called you in the grace of Christ. They wanted believers to contemplate God's free gift of grace, and they wanted to convince them that they needed to earn their salvation. And Paul is amazed that somebody would think they need to pay for such a great gift of salvation. How could you possibly pay for this great gift? Gift. If somebody buys you a brand new car and you don't have any money, how could you possibly afford to pay that person back? And Paul says that's exactly what's happening here. Even though there's no cars in the New Testament, now notice in the original text, maybe your translation says this. It says Our deserting, "are deserting," a r e are deserting. That's a military term. It's very similar to a soldier going AWOL, absent without leave. The process of deserting is the turning away from faith, and it's called apostasy. And so when we look at that term, we realize it's a Greek word, meaning a defiance of an established system or an authority. It's a rebellion or a breach of faith. And in the first century world, apostasy was a technical term for a political revolt. And what Judaizers wanted was they wanted the people to revolt against the government. They said, if we revolt against the government, they'll see that God's word really is God's word. God's ways really are God's ways. And the Jesus people, the believers, they were people of peace. They were submissive. They were ones that they looked at it and they're like, uh, we're, we're not seeing this rebellion. We have to wait for that rebellion because Jesus is going to come and he's going to be the righteous judge. And all the people that do us a disservice, God's going to do them a great disservice, but we'll let him handle that, right? And so they're a little confused. Now, you're probably sitting there and you're thinking, uh, Pastor Jordan, can I lose my salvation? Okay, that's another sermon for a whole nother day, all right? Because if that's where your mind goes, you're missing the point of the text. Galatian believers were in process of committing apostasy. They had not abandoned it yet. They were thinking that the world's ways were better than God's word. And so when we look at what's happening and transpiring in the text, Paul's hope was to stop that immediately. It was like a little kid who threatens to run away from home, Right? You got your bags all packed, you're sitting in the living room, you're ready to go. And your mom and dad, they look at you and they say, well, before you leave, let's just consider a couple of things. You got any money? No. How are you going to eat? Where are you going to go? All of our family doesn't live here. So maybe you want to think this through before you go running away from home. And that's what Paul says. He says, maybe you want to think this through, okay? Maybe you want to rethink this different gospel. Maybe it's not as good as you think it is. Well, what is the different gospel? Well, that's problem number two all right, that they're thinking about, entertaining the idea in verse 7 of a different gospel. The Judaizers taught that in order to be saved, Gentile believers had to follow Jewish laws and customs, specifically circumcision, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. Hang on for that. Pray for your pastor. If you don't know what circumcision is, your mom, dad, aunts, uncles will be happy to explain it to you after service, all right? Judaizers claimed simple faith in Christ wasn't enough. What they taught was additional requirements are needed before true salvation occurred, and that's heresy. And so Judaizers' message was, you have to do this in order to get into God's good graces, and that infuriated Paul. He was so enraged about it because it's grace through faith, not as a reward for works. Now what's happening and transpiring here is a lot of Galatian believers are young. They're uneducated. They don't know. You said, confess all your sins, believe in Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. That's what you said. And Paul's looking at it. Here and he's like, yeah, that's it. But these guys are preaching a different gospel. They're saying that we have to abide by all these laws and customs. And we read the Old Testament. We had a Bible reading plan. We got to Leviticus and we stopped. I can't do that. And so these guys are just so confused. Is it grace or is it works? And what's crazy is they're looking at all these people who are putting these rules and regulations on their life and they're going, uh, they don't even act the way they're supposed to act. Have you ever met somebody in your life who pledges to be a believer and their lifestyle just doesn't line up? And you're sitting there, are we reading the same Bibles? Are we doing the same things? Because I'm a little bit off. Now, what's crazy here is Paul's words are so similar to Jesus's words to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. It's scary. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, Woe to you, you teachers of the law, Judaizers, Pharisees. You are hypocrites. Why? You travel over the land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much of a son of hell as you are. Jesus called somebody a son of hell? Man, I should try that. I wouldn't advise him. What's scrapping and transpiring here is Paul is saying faith in Christ is the only requirement for your salvation. You've got to be aware of people who say that you need more than simple faith in Christ to be saved. People who set up additional requirements for salvation deny the power of Christ's death on the cross. Well, I would ask, what are the different Gospels of today? Number one that pops up is the Gospel of technology. When I open up my device and I flip that app open and I say to myself, this is going to give me more than what God ever could. When I start scrolling on those screens and I say, oh, surely, God, these are so much better than what you have to offer. Surely this 30-second video is going to enrich me more than you will. And some of us are like, 30 seconds? I give it six, right? Six-second video. And some of the adults are going, I can't understand all these kids. Well, hold on a second, you older generation, okay, because you're staring at the same TV screens too as well, but you're just watching different contexts. And you're thinking to yourself, man, all those political people on the screen, they're going to surely fill me the way that God's word does. I don't care if it's Fox News, CNN, or anybody else. If your bent is politics over the proclamation of God's word, you're in the wrong place. Anything that glorifies our own self effort, design your own spirituality, moral progress, destroys true faith and biblical truth. Hmm. Life changes when we realize how great a gift we've been given. You can't abandon it by entertaining other ideas. A life founded on the gospel, not taking grace for granted, allows all those other requirements to go by the wayside and just let God change us because of the grace that we've been given. No other person, method, or ritual gives you eternal life. Only Christ can. It's time we start living like that. We've got to be careful and cautious about being open-minded and tolerant. I had an individual tell me this the other day. They said, You just need to be more open-minded. I said, you know what? The more I read my Bible, the more closed-minded I become. And I said, I think God's okay with that. Anything outside the gospel tarnishes the validity of the true path of Jesus Christ. In free societies like America, people may have the right to their religious opinions, but that doesn't guarantee that those ideas are right. Let me say that again because not a lot of you amen that. In America, people may have the right to their religious opinion, but this doesn't guarantee those ideas are right. God doesn't accept human-made religion as a substitute for faith in Christ. He's provided one way, that's Jesus. Christ is the gospel, you don't desert it or entertain another. Good? All right, your prayers are coming to fruition. Verse 8, what's he say? But even if we, now I, know, I love this because Paul's not alone in this, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, he should be accursed. The Greek there is assigned or designated to hell. And as we have said before, this is interesting, so now I say it again to you, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him. So the first warning to believers who are prone to wander is don't desert the gospel. Don't entertain another gospel. But number two is so important, too, as well. He says don't pervert the gospel. And what he's saying here is he's using strong language condemning the Judaizers who altered or distorted or corrupted the gospel. There was cautions to three different groups here. Okay? So Paul is going to identify three specific groups of people here, and he's going to say, I want you to watch out for these Three people. And I love the first one because he throws himself under the bus before anybody else. If you circle that word we in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, it is reference to Paul and the other apostles. And what he's doing is he's calling for accountability. He's trying to make sure that his truth is God's truth and it's maintained among the church. Whoa. With humility. What he's saying here is once right doesn't always mean that we're going to be right. In today's culture, you've got ministers who've fallen into sin and people who are preaching a Jesus who've fallen into sin and they harm those who trust Christ under those mistakes. And so we as pastors are just as much accountable, okay, to the word of God as you are. And so when I get up here and I preach the Bible, like you're sitting there and you should be thinking to yourself all the time, like, is that true? Is that from God or is that not true? right so when you get when i get up here it's not pastor jordan's opinion and you go home and you say to yourself man i really like that guy he's awesome right whoa hold on a second like that's my biggest fear is that you would look at me and be like i mean i really do but i get up here all the time and i say things that you don't like because that's god's word so i'd rather give you what you need to hear than what you want to hear and in the fall of God's ministers, man, we're reminded we're supposed to be trusting Jesus Christ and his gospel, and none of us become spiritual enough to make our own rules as we go along. Not Paul, not Peter, not me, not you, not anyone. Man, so it can't be my word. It can't be my truth. i got to constantly point you back to God's truth. So he says, first group, man, we got to be really careful. We have to be really careful perverting the truth of Jesus Christ. So if you're gone and you're sharing the gospel with somebody in your workplace, and you're promoting that their life's going to get easier or things going to get better, uh, that might not be true, okay? If you want somebody in your uh, sphere of influence to think of you as being popular, you might not be on the right path. Because oftentimes it's not. Now, number two, he says, uh, angels. (laughs) All right, so some believe that Paul is uh, referencing leaders of Jerusalem, but it's more likely that he is referencing demons, messengers of Satan, because he addresses this later in Galatians 3, Hebrews 2 talks about a little bit, too. If Paul wrote Hebrews, uh, there's some speculation there. We're not going to talk about that today. Paul speaks of angels in giving the law as proof that Jewish law, less than what Jews had made of it. And in the Greek world, angel, it's really interesting. It means messenger. It could be human or celestial. So if you read the Old Testament and you see an angel of the Lord came and delivered a message, it could be a human person, Okay. Man, he was an angel coming to my aid. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an actual celestial angel, okay? same is true in the biblical text. But here, Paul, it's believed that he's talking about literal angels, fallen angels, demons, okay? And in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul uh, warns believers that Satan masquerades as an angel of light and so do his demons. Now, I just read this last week and I thought this was interesting. Satan is not God's opposite. You ever thought about this? He's an angel. He's not God. So know your enemy. Okay, like I'm not fighting against a God. I'm fighting against an angel, a fallen angel at that. So what's he got on me? Nothing, because I have uh, the angel armies at my disposal as a believer. So if Satan, as a fallen demon, is going to come at me, my prayers is, Hey God, can you come back at him? You ever thought about that? I always thought Satan was God's opposite. Hey, he's not a God. He's he's not even close. So, what's fascinating here is this is penned in like 50 AD after Jesus died. Uh, this passage almost single handedly disproves Mormonism. Mormonism claims that their source from Joseph Smith's teaching was from the angel Morani who appeared to him. What do you do about Galatians chapter 1, verse 8? In both cases, apostles or angels, faithfulness in commuting unchanging truth from God is the ultimate test of rightful authority. So what Paul says, if you go back to the text, a gospel that is different from the one we preach to you is like saying good news, which is not the same as what we preach to you. Truth, follow. In order to be truth, has to line up with God's word. Truth, in order to be truth, has to line up with God's word. If it doesn't line up with God's word, we throw it away. It has to to line up with God's Word. Now, I love this. This is Paul's humanism coming out 101. Galatian believers, because he obviously has his pastor's heart, he knows that they're going to come up and they're going to say, well, Paul, what about? Well, Paul, what about this? And what about that? And he says, anyone else. Any other, any other person, okay? Anyone, ready for this in the Greek, is a reference to Anyone. Anyone that Paul may have missed, he's saying, if you're going to say what about?" anyone means anyone who preaches a gospel, who is contrary to the one that you received, he should be commended or condemned to hell." Man, Alan Cole said this. I love this. He says, "The outward person of the messenger does not validate his message. Rather, the nature of the message validates the messenger. And Paul is a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he wants the people to get it. He knew people would come to distort the gospel. He warns the believers, don't pervert the gospel, don't water it down. He says, no, you have to understand that it's just like Jesus warned his disciples. False teachers are going to come. They're going to try to lead you away. And they're going to talk the same way, right? That Satan talked to Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say? That's the biggest pushback in our society and culture is people look at us and they say, does the Bible really say? And you know what? 9.9% of the, or 99.9% of the time, yes, the Bible really says it. You just haven't taken the time to study it and see it. So there's so many times when people are going to say, ah, let's, let's just pervert this gospel just a little bit. Let's just follow a gospel contrary to the one that we believe. And if you follow anyone who says that, you're following them straight to hell internally and externally. Why would we follow someone with a message that causes suffering and eternal destruction? The gospel, biblical truth, cannot be changed for the truths of the gospel can never change. It has to withstand the test of time. Hmm. So, believers, number one, you're prone to wander. Don't desert it, man. you got to love it and, and, and read it and let it kind of immerse you in it. Uh, number two, don't pervert it. Don't water it down, he says. And then look at verse 10. I love this. He says, for now, am I seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And amen a million times. If there's any other way for me to be popular, it is not here on this pulpit, okay? This is the last place that you're going to be popular because you're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and man, you're not going to like it. There are people who have come to our church, right? And here's the hardest thing that I wrestle with as a pastor. You come to the church, you come from all over the place. I want you to like me. I want you to like my wife. I know you're going to like my wife more than you're going to like me. I'm fully aware, right? I want you to like my kids. But in reality, I don't think you're going to. There's so many people that come to community gospel. I'm trying to talk them out of coming here then coming here. I'm like, are you sure? Do you realize we're like the island of misfit toys? Man, I don't know if you want to be a part of this. Like we're not popular at all. We preach God's word, right? That's what we do. And so Paul essentially says, listen, you believers who are prone to wander. I got three things for you. It's to the saints. I want you to understand this. He says, first of all, you can't compromise paul you got to teach freedom from jesus christ it's not going to be popular to the gentiles and paul declares it here he gives three warnings here to the saints and and these are my three kind of warnings to you these were the three warnings that i wrestled with uh, for the past couple weeks this is probably what i was wrestling with last week okay number one reject being popular by humans Like if there was a prayer that I had for you and if I could ask you to pray something for me, it would be I step up here every day and I'm not concerned whether or not you like me or not. Uh, it's, It's Paul's purpose. It should be ours to always seek God's approval first. We're not interested in what makes people feel good. Our allegiance has to be to Jesus Christ first. So we never water down the gospel and God's authority to become popular with our fellow man. That's so tough. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody. I just want to tell them what I want to tell them, right? Oh, but that ends in turmoil, doesn't it? No, you got to tell them what they need to hear. Imagine if we did that for our kids. Somebody told me the other day, they said, the, uh, the generation who receives the participation trophies has grown up. And I said, man, we need to start telling our kids they're not good at what they just participated in, right? They're not good, okay? You need to find another calling because that one was from a different Angel. <laughs> Number two, <clears throat> never compromise. Never compromise. This is the definition of integrity. Paul is completely unbending when the truth of the gospel becomes an issue. There can never be compromise on God's word, on God's will, and on God's ways. We cannot compromise on these truths. They've stood the test of time. We've got to stay focused and grounded on what our Bibles say. Number three, gotta stay disciplined. I tell you what, it is so easy to crack open that phone and watch those six second videos. Man, you just get saturated in them, right? They teach me what is cool and popular on Amazon. They told me uh, how uh, the next life hack. Oh, they're so amazing, so incredible. And then I go to the word of God and I'm like, this is a slugfest. This is like me just walking through mud and God's looking at you and he's saying, yeah, because you saturated yourself so much in sin that you forgot what sanctification really feels like. Believers rarely receive praise for godly character and good works. You will almost never get praise for it. Man, I wish you knew that. You'll do the right thing, and you'll almost never get your applause. It stinks. I hate it. It's simply a reward for a redeemed life. Hmm. If we remain disciplined as servants of Christ, though, God gives us the highest applause when all is said and done. So he looks at us, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I love you, you're doing it. You did a great job. And you're like, God, could you just have affirmed that for me when I was on planet Earth? And he's like, yeah, I did a couple of times, but you didn't hear it because you're so saturated in all of your social media. I'm preaching to myself this morning, I promise. So the question on the table is asked: who am I really serving? If the answer is people, then you're going to be tossed back and forth, like Jesus said, by conflicting demands and expectations of others. And that is just so frustrating. However, if the answer is that I just want to serve Jesus Christ, you'll only have one person to please. It's Valentine's Day. You know, my wife is most satisfied with our relationship when she finds that I'm most saturated in what God's Word has to say. Same with my friendships. Same with my relationships. All people, man, you and I are better friends, right, if I've been spending time with the one who gave me friends. There's no compromise for believers walking in the present evil age. That's verse four. Life of serving Christ in adoration for what Christ has done leads us to a full life of purpose. And Paul's conversion is testimony that his and our goal is to please God and to serve Christ because of what he did on the cross for us. So all that to say, believer who's prone to wander, man, myself included, right? Like I'm in this boat. There are things in the world that catch my eye and I think to myself, I wonder if that's that good, right? And so I I sing that song, "Uh, prone to wander, God, I feel it, prone to leave, the Lord I love, right? That's what it says. So I have to look at it and ask myself the question, and would you ask it with me today? Do you seek to please everyone, or are you striving to honor the Lord in all you think, say, and do? Because we as believers were in danger, just like in Galatia. Paul didn't apologize for straightforward words, and neither should we. So we're going to pray and ask God for courage to seek His approval above everybody else's. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the fact that You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great sustainer, the awesome Creator. God, if anybody's here this morning doesn't have a relationship with You, simple, I ask that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and they would be saved, receive the grace, grace, God's grace. They make the best decision they've ever made. Life's might not, not going to get easier, I promise. But life will get better because you have somebody to go with you through this world. Somebody who stands before you, somebody who stands beside you, somebody who stands uh, behind you, takes up the rear guard, as Hope Sharp says all the time. Somebody who is dwelling within you. One who gives you a spirit to convict and to teach and to instruct. And we thank you, God, that we who have called you Messiah, Lord, Savior, that you do those things. God, we ask that you forgive us because we're prone to wander. We're we're prone to to leave the God that we love. And so help us to have our eyes fixated on the truth of the text. Help us to have our mouth constantly uh, seeking you in prayer. Are our ears open to what you would have in store for us? Help us not to pervert or water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray so uh, uh, deeply and out of an attitude of concern that we wouldn't listen to people who say, but does the Bible really say? But that we would know our word and that we would understand it and we would apply it. And God, that we would reject this idea that human popularity is greater than your applause. And that we wouldn't compromise on the truth. And God, that we would stay disciplined. May our hands and our feet always find the things that are of you. May our ears and our eyes always hear and see the things that are of you. And may our mouth constantly speak the things that are of you. Until you come and call us home, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all the adoration and glory that you so rightfully deserve. And all God's people said, amen